You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. All right. Sure into that. I don't know. Today, 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 just kind of another roundup kind of day. I did get a uh, Patreon question about uh, Reggie Begleton and Elijah Wellman. I did talk very briefly about Begleton, but we'll go back and look a little. There's not much to look at, so I'll kind of just give my opinion again. And then Elijah Wellman is a fullback that we picked up previously that had played for the Washington Redskins. Another thing I want to look at, and I, I, I'm not saying I disagree. There's been a lot of scrutiny that I've noticed about Dean Lowry, and I don't necessarily disagree, but I want to address at least one thing kind of head on. And again, it's not that I disagree. I just want to kind of take a, a closer look at it. Uh, Andy Herman on, on Twitter had kind of laid out, let's see, three, six, seven different defensive tackles, how much they're getting paid, and then how much Dean Lowry got paid and said Green Bay misjudged the defensive line market, meaning they wildly overpaid. I kind of just want to, I just want to refine it a little bit and maybe take a little bit of the sting out of it because I, I you know, well, never mind. I, I'm going to see, I do that all the time. I try to do an intro and then I get into it and it's like, no, I'm just going to tell you right now. I want to talk about this, but I'm not supposed to. That's not the point of what we're doing here today, sir. I should give up the intro game, man. I can't. I can't handle it. I can't just leave it there and be like, "We'll talk." No, I listen. It's right in front of my face. So we'll, we'll discuss that, and we'll see where that leaves us. Oh, and yes, we are doing our first giveaway today. So of our group of beautiful, wonderful, lovely, and amazing, and um, uh, ambidextrous um, patrons, one of you will uh, be able to get the opportunity. To select either Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio, which is extremely in-depth, however, doesn't cover every position. It's it's weird because it's a it's a draft guide, but it's geared toward offensive skill positions because it's kind of a fantasy football thing, even though it's you know obviously a very just just it's just a good draft guide. Um, and then you've got the Cheesehead TV draft guide, which is um, every position and it's Packers centric. So whichever, uh, you know, better scratches the itch. But after the break, we're going to do that. If you'd like to get involved in the fun, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Haven't figured out what this month's giveaway is going to be. I feel like it should have something to do with the draft. I don't know if I'm going to have like, maybe I should do another t-shirt of the, you know, the guys we draft. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Draft Jalen Rager and I'll make a Regatron shirt. I don't know. You know, whatever. We'll figure that out later. Also, big thanks to the two individuals who bought me a coffee yesterday at KO-FI, thing I was telling you about, link in the description. So thank you to Jason, as well as the anonymous donor, who bought me several coffees. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Again, these are just different. I'm not asking everyone to do all these things. It's just different ways, you know. Some people are just genuinely, they just don't like Patreon. Some people don't like the month-to-month thing. Some people don't like the prospect of giving me money, which is why I say, all right, leave me a review if you wouldn't mind. That'd be nice. We all come in different shapes and sizes, like snowflakes, all different patterns. I'm just trying to find that right way to manipulate you 
to do what I want. Speaking of, little disappointed I have yet to receive a package of tacos. I mean, I thought you people cared, but you know, whatever, fine. I see how it is. For those that don't know, these are jokes. Not necessarily the funny kind, but the, uh, you know, the, the, the kind that's, that's not, not serious. Um, why don't we take a break, and then on the other side of the break, we'll do our giveaway. Sound good to you? All right. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so the first winner for March, thanks to my handy-dandy Google number generator, Mr. Eric... Amend. I feel like that's one of those names that's very straightforward, but somehow I'm still saying it wrong. But I'm going to go with the uh, ultra-American version, Eric Amend, as in, like, First Amendment, or Make Amends, like the alcoholics do. Well, the, the ex-alcoholics. The current ones, they don't, they don't do the amends thing. They just keep on plowing, right? <laughs> just keep on going. Forget you guys. Anyways, Eric, um... I didn't find you in the Facebook group, so I will try to send you a message on Patreon here and reach out some kind of way. But uh, if you hear this, reach out, hit me up, tell me what you want, what you... Oh, no. I'm not doing it. And I'll, uh, I'll get that to you. And again, we're doing two giveaways. So once he picks which one he wants, I'm going to do another drawing, I mean, tomorrow, depending on how long it takes for him to get back to me. And then uh, we'll give away the other one that is remaining. Sound good? Good. All right, message sent. Why don't we start with the defensive tackle thing just because it's, you know, sitting here and I wanted to talk about it. So here is the full outlined tweet. It says Malik Collins, one year, six million. Danny Shelton, two years, eight million. Tim Jernigan, one year, 3.75. Andrew Billings, 1.35. Shelby Harris, one uh, one year, 3.25. Derek Wolf, one year, three million. Mike Pinnell, one year, one million. Dean Lowry got a three-year, $20 million contract. Green Bay misjudged the defensive line market. So th- the first thing I want to do is kind of a process of elimination. Because we, I, I don't think it's... And, I, and I'm not trying to say that this is what he's saying, that the Packers necessarily want all these guys, but it, it changes the picture a little bit. If you assume that these are all equal, then yeah, it looks pretty bad. But they're not all equal. Also, keep in mind Dean Lowry, and I know th- the years are also a form of compensation. But three years, $20 million is, uh, I mean, it's under $7 million a year. 
So in and around what Malik Collins got for his one-year deal, as far as far as an average per year deal, that's pretty close to the same thing. But if we start, for example, with Malik Collins, first of all, I don't think Malik Collins is better than Dean Lowry. Now, Dean Lowry did have a down year, and and this is something that's a little bit unfair too, is is the recency bias. Dean Lowry is being hated on big time because he had a pretty down year. PFF gave him a grade of 60. But the previous three years prior to this contract, which is scary because that's, I mean, that's kind of what uh, Nick Perry did, right? He got his big contract and then he just completely fell off a cliff. But Dean Lowry got paid after a year in which this fourth round pick had a grade of 73.1. His run defense grade was a 79, almost an 80. He's not much of a pass rusher, but he has been developed into so his run defense grade went from a 69 to a 71 to a 79 he has been growing and developing in the system he has gotten better and better up to the point where he had almost an 80 overall run defense grade and to lock him up for six and a half million dollars when he's a top 31 run defender in the nfl it's not that not that bad malik collins run defense grade was a 53 now he had a better pass rush grade but he ended the year with four sacks, which is not any kind of production that means anything. So he's never really had a good... His overall grade's 44, 49, 61, 65, Malik Collins I'm talking about. Beyond that, he's six foot two, three oh eight. And again, as I've said, Dean Lowry is more of the mold. Six foot six, two ninety six, Big, tall, long. Lean, right? That's what, that's what Mike Pettin likes. So Malik Collins doesn't fit the mold. He doesn't bring you anything as far as being able to stop the run. He doesn't generate pressure. Again, he had a good grade as a pass rusher, but his stats didn't really look that great. He was about 10% as far as pressure, which is better than what you're getting from Dean Lowry. But again, also keep in mind, first of all, you can't, it's easy for us to sit out here and just play Madden, right? Where everything is just attributes. He's got a, a an 80 overall run defense, and this guy's got a 75 pass rush, and we just mix and match, and if you just swap it, they just stay the exact same. But a guy that, that understands the system, a guy that has it all upstairs, a guy that understands what we're trying to do and can, can do the right things in the right way and execute correctly, comes at a premium. And again, you can't blame him. You can't blame Gutekunst necessarily for what happened in 2019. Now, if he doesn't rebound, that ends up being a swing and a miss. But again, he paid him after 2018, which was a pretty good year. Again, overall grade, 72, 68.7, and 73. His 68 last year was a down year, and then he rebounded even higher. So if he again, if he doesn't rebound, this ends up being a swing and a miss. But it's not Billy Turner bad, in which the guy's always been bad. You paid him, and he's still bad. And it's like, yeah, I don't know what you expected. Dean Lowry got low-end defensive tackle money, playing like a quality starter who had a terrible year. So, again, Malik Collins isn't really on the list. He's not as good as Dean Lowry. He doesn't fit the mold. He doesn't know the system. And he got paid almost the same amount of money, except it was a one-year deal. Danny Shelton, two years, $8 million. Again, now, if you just look at it and say Danny Shelton is an X overall player, Dean Lowry is a Y overall player, X is higher than Y, he got a two-year deal for $4 million a year, we should have got Danny Shelton which is the way most people do things. But again, the Packers were never going to get Danny Shelton. Danny Shelton is a 6'2", 345-pound nose tackle. The Packers don't want that. I like Danny Shelton. I've always liked Danny Shelton. The Packers don't like those kinds of guys. Since the days of B.J. Raji, they just don't go that route anymore. Our nose tackle looks more like most teams' defensive ends. Our nose tackle is our best interior pass rusher. We just have a different system. So Danny Shelton shouldn't even... I mean, again, it's not... This is, I'm not trying to go at, at Herman on this saying that this is exactly what he's trying to say. 
But again, it's, it's, it's not as bad as it looks on the surface because you can't just say all these guys are available, all these guys are equally as good or better, and they all got less money. Or even what he's saying in that we should have paid Dean Lowry less to stay because, you know, that's just, nah, not necessarily. Again, $6 million bucks is not that much, and you're paying him for what he did in 2018, I think is a good value. The only thing that, again, that's going to be a problem is if Dean Lowry never rebounds, this is going to be a terrible contract but one in which you can't necessarily blame him because based on what we saw, the contract seemed sound. He signed at what, at 24 years old? 24-year-old de- defensive tackle coming off his best year in which he was an incredibly stout run defender next to, uh, you know, trying to lock up a, a little bit of a defensive line, especially after we just lost one of the Packers' better defensive linemen over the last 10 years in Mike Daniels. So again, continuing on, Malik Collins was not really an option and isn't a better option. Danny Sheldon is a good football player, but he doesn't fit the Packers system. Tim Jernigan, again, six foot two, two ninety-five. He's a he's a smaller guy, but he's just a small, smaller guy. He's also twenty-seven years old. He's never had a year as good as Dean Lowry's had twice. Dean Lowry in in three years had two years better than uh, Tim Jernigan has ever had. So yes, this twenty-seven-year-old. Uh, defensive tackle coming off an injured season got less money. That's true. That shouldn't necessarily impact the Dean Lowry decision. I think Timmy Jernigan got exactly what he's worth. Billings out of Cleveland, again, six foot one, three twenty-five is not what the Packers want. Short and stout is not on the agenda. Now, is he about? I mean, again, if we just look at overall grade, is he about the same as Dean Lowry? Sure, he's about the same age. He's a little bit younger. They're both twenty-five, but he's still, you know, months younger. Both fourth-round picks. But, but what are you doing in this situation? These guys are almost identical, except Andrew Billings doesn't fit your system. He doesn't know your system. You have to retrain the guy from the ground up. Why? Why would you want to do that, especially if you think Dean Lowry is the guy? Based on 2018, he was the guy. Great year. Better year than, than Billings had in 2018. And Billings also regressed in 2019. So Billings is a similar guy, but doesn't fit the system. So that, that doesn't work. And, and part of the reason I'm doing this, again, it's not because this is the point that he was trying to make. It's just highlighting the fact that this was a little bit urgent. There aren't just Dean Lowry's all over the league where it's like, oh, fine, walk. If you're not going to take a one-year, $3 million deal, then walk. Which, by the way, they probably didn't want that. They wanted to lock him up long-term. And again, $6 million is not that much. And, and you know, th- th- there just wasn't a whole lot of reason to play hardball with Dean Lowry. They offered him a reasonable salary. He said, that sounds good to me. He took it. End of story. And if Dean Lowry had played hardball, maybe they would have let him walk. But again, I don't know that that puts us in a very good situation. It would have been the best of all worlds, assuming Dean Lowry doesn't rebound from his worst year ever. But I'm, I'm relatively hopeful that he does rebound. We can continue on. Six foot three, 300, Shelby Harris. Now you can make a case that this would have been a much better option. Um, I don't know that he... I mean, 2018 had a freakishly high year, but even though he did rebound what you would expect, he still is, is like in the 70s. So he's, he's basically had the same kind of years that Dean Lowry has had. He's had years basically in the 70s, which via PFF is a good grade. The biggest issue with him, though, you're talking about a seventh-round pick who is 28 years old. So I'm not going to say he doesn't fit the system at 6'3", 300. He's, he's relatively tall and lean at, the, at that size. But he's not Dean. I mean, you know, and I don't want to overly prop it up, but I I don't want to understate how important that is, though. We've heard Mike Pettin talk about that. We watched Mike Daniels get booted off the team. The guy was a good football player. He got booted off the team because he just doesn't fit. And Mike Pettin came in and said, I don't care if he's a good player. He doesn't fit. I don't want him here. 
And so the first opportunity, they just moved him. And then they paid Dean Lowry. I mean, that, that should go to show you something in terms of how much this matters. And then they go out and get these pass rushers that all are just big, big, long. I mean, the, the, they have basically made it that the, the difference between the interior and the exterior is not that different, which is, makes sense because they interchange where they all line up. You've got defensive tackles that can go off on the edge. You've got edge rushers that come in on the inside. This is what he wants. And six foot one, 320-pound defensive tackles aren't going to fit. Now, me personally, I'm looking at it going, okay, how about a rotational guy? He comes in on short yardage situations or whatever, you know, having a couple guys once in a while. And they've had a few that they've gotten later on, you know, seventh-round picks, undrafted free agents that are big boys. But they don't. They, it's just not what they want. And again, you can make the case, well, they didn't have to do that. They could have got Shelby Harris. Well, not necessarily. Shelby Harris, first of all, re-signed with Denver. So he didn't leave and go somewhere else. So the idea that in 2018 we're going to boot Dean Lowry and say, nah, we don't want you because we'll just get Shelby Harris. And then Shelby Harris re-signs with Denver because why not? And for the fifth time, I know that's not the case he's trying to make. I'm just trying to make the case of why it kind of makes sense. You don't have a lot of options. Derek Wolf on this list is the one guy that is very, very much... Derek Wolf is the Dean Lowry type. The problem with Derek Wolf is, number one, I don't think he's as good. He's maybe as good. I mean, he, he is Dean Lowry. He's six foot five, two eighty five. The biggest issue, though, he's 30 years old. He got paid like a 30-year-old Dean Lowry. Dean Lowry got paid like a 24-year-old Dean Lowry. In other words, long-term. And then finally, Mike Pinnell. I've always been a big fan of Mike Pinnell. I was upset that we got rid of him. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is he's been getting kicked around to different team after different team. I mean, he had, his, he had a real big year in 2016, which was his final year, but he only played 100 or so snaps. He went to the Jets, had a real down year. Then he had his best year with the Jets, and they got so – I don't know what it is. He has a really good year, and then he gets booted. 2019, he played in Kansas City. But, again, now we're talking about a guy that's 29 years old. And, again, 6'4", 332 pounds, that's not, a, that's not in the cards. So I guess part of what I'm saying is we're not comparing apples to apples. The Packers are paying a guy that fits their system that doesn't really exist very much out in the wild. He came off a very good year, not an elite year, but he didn't get paid. He didn't get 18 million. He didn't get 15 million. He didn't get 10 million. He got, let's look specifically at what he got. Three year, 20.325 million, only 6 million guaranteed. And guess what? He got a $6 million signing bonus. So he has no guarantees left. So if he doesn't have a good year in 2020, it's not it's not impossible he's gone in 2021. He's got a $6.3 million cap hit and a $3 million dead cap hit. That's a relatively sizable dead cap hit, but it's not impossible. At the very least, 2022, we're talking $7.3 million he's owed, $1.5 million dead cap. If he doesn't rebound, he's gone. And he gets his $6 million plus whatever additional he made on top of it. He'll, he'll walk away with $10 million bucks and he's gone. The bottom line is in, in 2019, when he got signed, he got $8 bucks. This year, he's going to get $3.7 million, And he's either going to rebound or he's going to be gone. And he'll take his $12 million and go somewhere else. If he does rebound, then this whole conversation is nonsense. Because again, he is the perfect Mike Pettin defensive tackle. He's young. He's long. He's lean. He just fits. I don't know what happened. I don't know why he went backwards so far. I, you know, it's it's a reshuffling of this defense. A lot of people, I, I don't understand why Blake Martinez fell off so much. It's another thing. People act as though the, the, the 2019 version of Blake Martinez is what we've, we've always had, and it's about time he's gone. No, Blake was a decent linebacker for a while. He had a bad rookie year. He had a massive jump in his second year. He had an even bigger jump in his third year. And then, you know, once, you know, 
Mike Pettin's system started to take hold, it just really kind of spiraled downward. The first year with Mike Pettin, he was decent in coverage, but his ability to stop against the run was just gone. Which is the other problem with his, he made some comments about, well, Mike just told me that I had to play cleanup all the time. I wasn't allowed gap assignments or whatever, which I don't necessarily, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to call him a liar. But I mean, we've seen replays in which you can count the gaps, right? You got one here and he's on that and one here and he's on that. And then you got Blake would, who would go in that gap. And then you got another guy on the outside. Seems pretty obvious that that's, that's your gap assignment that you got blocked out of. But he claimed that he didn't have gaps. They all had gaps, and he just had to play cleanup. The problem is, Zedarius and Preston weren't there in 2018, and his ability to stop the run then was terrible. That fell off the day Mike Pettin showed up, which is why, you know, I don't, I just don't think Blake necessarily fit what Pettin was trying to do. Hopefully somebody does. I don't know. Maybe that this whole operation just isn't working and linebackers can't thrive because it's not working. Maybe because we need defensive tackles. I don't know. Maybe that's why we paid Dean Lowry so much, which again, is not that much, but because the defensive line is so important. You can't have linebackers just play cleanup if you don't have a strong defensive line. That's the entire point of a linebacker that plays cleanup. That's where you have weak side linebackers that basically just flow around untouched and tackle people. If they're getting touched, you're doing something wrong, and it's not the linebacker's fault. He's not supposed to be blocked. If that's the plan, then it is the defensive line that's failing. Again, this is why we keep seeing free agents, you know, free agent defensive tackles getting picked up. This is why Dean Lowry gets contract. This is why all these things happen. This is also why in the draft I wouldn't be surprised if defensive tackle is a pretty high priority. So again, that wasn't meant to be a head-on attack, but I just wanted to provide context. I understand Dean Lowry was underwhelming, but I also understand Dean Lowry had a very big down year, and we should give him credit for what he was able to do. And maybe, you know, it is worth discussing Dean Lowry a little bit. It would be worth questioning what happened. Because that is pretty impactful. We need help along the defensive line, but we need significantly less help if Dean Lowry rebounds. On the flip side, if Dean Lowry never rebounds, we're in more trouble along the defensive line than we think. Because we don't know if Kingsley Kiki's ever going to be anything. We can pretty well determine that Montrevious Adams is never going to be anything. If Dean Lowry continues on this path in which he is, I mean, let's just call it what it is, a pretty bad defensive tackle, and we just have Kenny Clark, that's not the greatest thing ever. And with Kenny Clark, I mean, without having Mike Daniels and with Dean Lowry having a bad year, understandably so, he had a little bit of a backward step as well. He wasn't as good as he was in, in 2018. I'm not saying he completely fell off and we should trade him or any, anything crazy, but we, we got to address this. Again, for the, I don't know, umpteenth million time, defensive tackle has got to be one of the biggest priorities for Mike Pettin because of the system he runs. If this thing is falling apart, nothing else matters. As I've also said, this is this is the biggest weakness. This is where the Packers got exposed last year. And teams that have a solid offensive line are just going to run down the Packers' throat and make them look dumb. And by the way, and this is a question that's been hanging out there forever that I haven't taken on. I mean, I've addressed it already, but somebody else asked the question again. But the, the, the question is hanging out there. What's stopping other teams from just following the mold of what the 49ers did and just beating up on the Packers? Well, the, the, the direct answer is not every team can pull that off. However, you lay out something like that in which not only can you beat the Packers, but you can embarrass them simply by doing A, B, and C. You better believe the Vikings, the Lions, and the Bears are watching that and saying, we need to do that. If nothing else, we need to make sure that we can do that. And with the Vikings especially, if you look at them having a pretty talented running back, their ability to, and and they run a similar scheme to what the 49ers do and the Packers or whatever. It's that, that same sort of outside zone kind of scheme. I'd be willing to bet that Kubiak, who's the guy, who's sort of the guy that that 
built this offense. Not that you can snap your fingers and make it a thing, but they're going to try to build that. They're going to focus on offensive linemen. They're going to try to, I mean, again, it's not that easy, and they've been trying to get offensive linemen. But I, I guess my fear would be if, if, if they get offensive line, that doesn't make them a good team. And that makes me sit back and go, ha, 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 right? However, it's not ha, ha, ha if the only team they can beat is the Packers. If they're a terrible team that can stomp out the Packers twice a year, that's a problem for the Packers. Same with Detroit. We laugh at Detroit. I don't laugh at Detroit. You know why? Because Detroit has the Packers number. And if they even get a half a tick better, if this team becomes an 8-8 eight and eight team, the Packers are going 0-2 every year. Because even when they're a losing team, the Packers can barely beat them. The, the, the Packers have to figure out what it is that certain teams can key in on and fix it. It's a different thing with Detroit because they're not just running all over the Packers. That's a different situation. But you've, you've got to be able to address that and not let that become a thing. Same with the Bears. The Bears' offensive line is, is falling apart a little bit, but they drafted a talented running back. Maybe he was overrated. Maybe it's just because I liked him. Maybe he's not going to be anything. I don't know. But it was the Eagles are one of the teams that beat up on the Packers. They've got guys... You know, Foles is with the Bears, and that made sense because a lot of the guys have been together. A lot of these guys did go with the Eagles. They're, uh, is he their quarterback coach? Their, uh, their head coach? These guys are former Eagles. They, they, I mean, they've been to a lot of different teams. If, if they want to key in on, okay, what do we have to do to beat the Packers? Even if it's just a one-week strategy, you know, hey, we, this is what we generally do, but when we go against the Packers, this is what we're going to run. Packers got to hit that head on. They've got to come into it with the mentality of let's just pretend for just a minute that everybody has the ability to run what the 49ers and the Eagles ran against us. How are we going to address that? You know, you might not have some AFC team that's going up against the Packers this year that focused on, ooh, if we do this, if we retool our team, we can beat the Packers. But again, if you're the Bears, Vikings, and Lions, and you're trying to win the division, you're trying to take the Packers out at the at their knees, and there's just a blatant weakness, It doesn't. it's not that crazy to retool in that direction. So the Packers have to figure this out. Either we're going to address it. Either we're going to take Mike Pettin's system, and, and, and as crazy as it sounds, because they have addressed the defense extensively, and it'd be nice if we hit the offense once in a while. But but somebody has to at some point, and I'm not anti-Mike Pettin, but at some point we got to sit down and say, I, I'm giving you one last chance, man. Tell me what you need to make this a really good defense. Because if I get you another defensive tackle, and we got Dean Lowry, we got Kenny Clark, who's one of the best young defensive tackles in football, and I get you another stud defensive tackle, and Zadarius, and Preston, and Rashawn, and we get a linebacker, and you have King, and you have Jair, and you have Savage, and you have this, I'm 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 not playing with you anymore. I love you, man, but this needs to be better. And and the fact is, you came in here, and Blake went backwards, and Mike Daniels is gone because he didn't fit, and you know, he's getting older, maybe it's time for him to go anyways, and that seemed to be a good thing, but okay, so he's gone, and these other defensive tackles we brought in don't seem to be panning out, which granted, that's maybe my fault as the GM, but I'm getting you the guys that you like, and they don't seem to be fitting as well as as you seem to be thinking that they will once they get in the building, and Dean Lowry went backwards, and there just seem to be these problems, and, and we can only for so long say, well, he doesn't have the tools. How many tools, I mean, if this is about it, it needs to be perfect, otherwise it's not going to work. What is your purpose as a defensive coordinator? Because I, I don't know, but I feel like if I got to pick 11 guys, just around the NFL, I get to pick them, the best 11, and put them on the field, I could probably be a defensive coordinator for that team. If you give me a call sheet, I'll just start picking stuff. Like if you, especially if you lay it out like Madden, like formations and stuff, I'm like, yeah, do the, uh, let's see, what's that third down one? 
this looks kind of third downy. Let's do this one. And it'll work because even though it's a terrible play, you've got elite players everywhere. No, a good defensive coordinator is going to be able to do what Vic Fangio did. He did get pieces added, but he also had guys get better and better and better and better and better. Who on this defense is getting better and better and better and better and better? D- Dean Lowry's getting worse. Kenny Clark went backwards. Mike Daniels went backwards in it when you know his first year that Mike Patton showed up. Jair basically stayed the same, but his grade did technically go backwards. I'm not trying to do an anti-Petten thing, but I'm, I'm just saying if I'm the GM, I'm getting exasperated with this because I have exhausted so much on this defense, and now i got a defensive coordinator coming to me saying, look, we got to do something about this defensive line. Like, dude, no. You've had your turn. Year after year after year after year, first-round pick after first-round pick after first-round pick after first-round pick. Enough! This is your team. Make it work. The, the poor offense has got jack squat. We don't even look at the offense until the fourth round for like 10 years. And you're coming to me complaining about, hey, I don't have the tools. You're going to make this work. It's not just the Bears. I mean, look, look at what the Colts did in, in 20, was it, 2018? They didn't have anybody, and suddenly they're the top defense everywhere. Baltimore, they lost everybody last year. Still a top defense. The Pittsburgh Steelers, what did they do to become a dominant defense? Did they go out and buy up every great defender in the world? No, they lost a bunch of stuff, and they were in the midst of chaos. The Chiefs, everybody's telling me how much better they got, and they did statistically get better. With what? I still don't understand it. That's the worst group of defenders I've ever seen in my life. But Steve Spagnolo figured out how to take this ragtag bunch of nobodies, terrible football players, and suddenly make it a quality defense that wins a Super Bowl. A defense that is significantly worse than the Packers that took on the 49ers and beat them. And it wasn't just because it was a shootout and the defense couldn't do anything. No, the defense stepped up and stopped the 49ers. They didn't get run over like the Packers did. So, I mean, at some point, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay making excuses to, an, to a point, but at some point, I, I can't play this game where until everything's perfect, you know, you get a pass. No, that's not your job. Your job is to make your guys better. Your, got, your job is to make the defense work despite not having a perfect team. And by the way, as far as defensive teams go, as far as lacking holes, the Packers are one of the better teams. Most teams have holes everywhere. Enough with the excuses. I need the coaches to coach. That's it. Make these guys better. And if you can't make them better, put them in positions to win. Take guys that aren't very good, put them in a situation in which they can execute what they're supposed to do. If it's too complex, dumb it down. If it's too simplistic, ramp it up. I don't know what you have to do. I'm just, I'm tired of playing this game where it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. We need one more. Oh, yeah, that's true. We need another defensive. Oh, one of the best pass rush duos in football. A really solid group of defensive backs. And we're saying that because we don't have one more defensive tackle and a little bit better of a linebacker, that's why everything was so horrible? Give me a break. And I'm listen, I'm tired of this musical chairs things with defensive coordinators too, but I'm I I just I'm not okay with again giving him a pass until everything is perfect. He needs another elite defensive tackle and a first round pick. You know, we need Corey Littleton, or we need the top linebackers, or we, we have to get a first round linebacker and then maybe maybe we'll trade for a first round pick for some defensive line. I'm not giving up all that because you can't coach your guys. I'm not giving away all of our future to trade for guys because you can't make this defense work. And I'm technically putting words in Petten's mouth because I don't know if he's asking for anything. But again, if I'm the GM, this is where I'm at right now. Don't even come to me and say, this is what I need. Don't talk to me. I've given you plenty. 
if I see a good defensive tackle that's there in the first round, he's the best value, fine. I'll play that game. I'll give you your defensive tackle because I say it's a good idea. But you don't come to me and tell me what else you need. I have stacked you on top of stacked you on top of stacked you with this defense. I want a top 10 defense or you can find another job. And top 10 is generous. In fact, top, t- top 10 is still questionable in my mind. The Packers were almost top 10. And it's not even that overall they were bad. I mean, the defense was dominant against some teams. The Vikings just got embarrassed by the Packers' defense. But I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be okay with getting embarrassed because we can't figure out how to fix this one problem. We can't make adjustments to stop some team from running 500 yards on the ground against us. Hyperbole, but you get my point. We're not going to make it to part two on this podcast because I'm... Every, at least once a month, I just got to blow my top. This was entirely unplanned. But I'm, I'm, I'm just... I don't know what else to do, man. I'm, I, I guess I'm just frustrated because I'm sitting here saying, okay, how do we fix this problem? Maybe if we get him this and get him this and get him this. And it just it just kind of, I just get tired of it. Why do you need everything to be perfect? And now supposedly Dean, Dean Lowry's not good enough, according to, you know, the fans, which is fair. He had a bad year, but, well, we got to get rid of him, which means we got to replace him, which means... At some, part, at, at some point, you get tired of fixing the car and you just got to get a new car. And I'm, I'm getting to that point, man. You just have a problem car, and especially as a Packer fan. What is it going to take for us to get a defense that doesn't get embarrassed? I'm tired of being embarrassed in the playoffs. Colin Kaepernick's breaking records. The 49ers, again, breaking records against the Packers. These embarrassing, the Seahawks and the Cardinals, these comeback things in which the defense gets embarrassed. I'm tired of it. Fix it. We paid Dean Lowry, and we paid him appropriately, a three-year deal with only $6 million in guarantees. This is a, a low-end deal. But you know what? I want him here for the full three years because I paid him to be here for three years because he's good enough to be here for three years. He took a massive step back. You're going to find out why. You're going to get him back on track because that's baloney. That's garbage. Well, Dean Lowry had a bad year. We better get me a new one. You get nothing. We're fixing the offense. And if we have to go back to the 2011 days, if we got to go back to the 2012 and 13, or back to those days in which it's all offense and no defense, so be it. Because I'm tired of playing with you. Make it work. I'm si- we're, we're sitting here as Packer fans who have watched some of the best offenses in football. I mean, I'm, I'm 33 years old. I've only seen dominant Packers offenses, right? I mean, I've seen a little bit, but I don't really remember because I was, what, two? And we're sitting here watching it erode. We're watching the offensive line fall apart. We're watching these, this, this one of the best group of wide receiver weapons ever erode down to Devontae and nothing. We're watching never having a tight end. We're talking about maybe losing Aaron Jones soon and not having a replacement. We're watching this team fall apart offensively because we're sitting here babying this defense. Forget the defense. I've been saying for every other team, the Bears messed up when they decided to focus on their offense. They were a defensive-focused team. Once they said, okay, let's build up this defense, they went back to the playoffs year one. The Vikings, same thing. Forget the offense. Let's build up this defense. Dominant team. It's just in their culture. When they want a good defense, they just build a good defense. They know how to do it. When they try to focus on offense, it kind of falls apart a little bit. The Lions, I don't know what they do. Probably offense, I guess, right? It's just what they do. Packers, they're an offensive team. It's what they do. And I genuinely believe if we focus on offense, they're going to build a monster. This thing is going to be an absolute monster. 
because it's in their DNA. They know how to build an offense. They don't have the first clue what to do on defense. I don't care who they hire. I don't care who the GM is, the coach is, the defensive coordinator is. It's just not that there is a a bubble around Green Bay, Wisconsin, and when somebody drives in, their defensive powers just fall off. So forget it. All in on offense. 2011, here we come. Let's uh, let's just get back to beating teams 45 to 38. It's kind of just where I'm at, man. The Packers' offense has needed things for a long time, and the GMs have simply said, "Okay, we'll get you. We'll we'll throw you something in the fifth round. We'll get you a, a fourth round wide receiver by the name of Jamon. That should hold you over for a little while, right?" Now it's the defense's turn. Well, I need a defensive tackle. All right, hit me up in the fourth round. Until then, go find something to do with yourself. Because we're going to build a monster here. And I've already built you one. And I, I expect you, with this group, Zadarius Preston, Rashawn, Kenny Clark, I mean, I, I, do, do I need to read to you, again, the Chiefs' defense? They basically, it, their team would be, I mean, it's, it's actually pretty similar to what we had. A few years back where it was Kenny Clark and um, nothing, and I guess it was Mike Daniels as well. That might already put the Packers defense in, what, 2017 ahead of what this team is. But they made it work, didn't they? And you know what? They made it work with offense. Baltimore's got a great defense. They've got some great players, but they did it with offense. It's our turn now. Great offense, good enough defense. Because if we build an awesome offense, guess what? We're already better than the 2011 defense. Over the last 10 years, the defenses that we've had... Even if we do nothing, this is still going to be better than what we've had on multiple, multiple seasons. So I, you know, not going to turk and not going to turk in circles, not going to talk in circles, turk in circles, circ and flurkles. I'm not doing any of it. Dink and flicka. I'm ready, man. I'm ready for it. I need. Doesn't it just feel right? I mean, even if you disagree, it's like no, I I want this this run game thing fixed. All All right, fine. But just, just. Let's just sit for a minute, because I'm not the GM, so you don't have to get mad. Just calm down for one second. Just just close your eyes. Last thing, and then I'll let you go. Close your eyes. I want you to go back with me. The date is September 8th, the year 2011. Joe Philbin, Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers backed up by Matt Flynn. Our running backs are Ryan Grant and James Starks. Wide receivers Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Donald Driver, James Jones... Randall Cobb, we got Jermichael Finley, we got Tom Crabtree, we got Andrew Corliss. It's it's week one. We're going up against the Saints. Saints got a scary offense, right? Always, they're the Saints. Saints are basically the Packers, except at this point in time, you know, a little bit different. In the first quarter, the Saints get one touchdown. The Packers get three. <laughs> On the In fact, the very first drive of the game, the Green Bay Packers milk five minutes off the clock and cap it off with a seven-yard Greg Jennings touchdown. The Saints come out. Nick Collins forces a fumble. Tremont Williams scoops it up. Packers ball. They're starting on the opposing 36, still milk three minutes off the clock, and throw a three-yard touchdown to Jordy Nelson. The Packers' next drive, there's three minutes left in the corner quarter. They milk it all the way down to 19 seconds and throw a 32-yard touchdown pass to Randall Cobb. Three touchdowns in one quarter. Three different very good wide receivers, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, and a team that just won't be stopped. In the second quarter, James Starks rips off a 17-yard touchdown. In the third quarter, Randall Cobb gets a 108-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. And in the fourth quarter, Mr. John Kuhn for a one-yard touchdown run. 
I have to go back and watch this game. It has everything. Everything. Randall Cobb as an elite kick returner. John Kuhn automatic from the one-yard line. You got a Randall Cobb touchdown. You got a James Starks touchdown. You got a Jimmy or a uh, Jimmy Graham actually did get a touchdown in this game for the Saints, funny enough. You got a Jordy touchdown. You got a Jennings touchdown. The game ended 42 to 34. Aaron Rodgers threw the ball 35 times at 312 yards, three touchdowns. No interceptions, 132.1 passer rating. James Starks, 12 attempts, 57 yards, classic. Greg Jennings, seven receptions for 89 yards and a touchdown. Jordy Nelson, six receptions, 77 yards and a touchdown. Finley, three receptions, 53 yards. Driver, four receptions, 41 yards. Cobb, two receptions, 35 yards and a touchdown. And a 108-yard return. Tom Crabtree, one reception, four yards. James Jones, one reception, one yard. John Kuhn, two receptions, seven yards. Ryan Grant, one reception, five yards. Doesn't that just feel good? I mean, I understand seeing a team score 34 points on you makes you feel uncomfortable. And I remember those days being like, why can't this defense do anything? You know what? It just feels right. It feels good. Don't deny it, man. It's in your blood. You're a Packers fan. You need offense. We all love this defense stuff. It's nice. But you know deep down inside what you need. You know what this team needs. We need weapons, javelins, swords made from iron and steel, battle axes, war hammers, scimitars and daggers. We need weapons. Let's build this thing up, man. Let's just do let's just go crazy. Let's load this bad boy up and go wild and see how many times we can get 50 points just because we can. Let's 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 just get let's get a glimmer of that old Aaron Rodgers just slinging it. Because everywhere he looks, it's an option that he loves. Oh, look, it's that tight end that I know I can trust. Oh, look, there's Devontae. I'm sure he's open. Hey, there's unknown guy number number one. He's open down, down the seam there. Perhaps, perhaps I'll go there. Maybe I'll just run. I don't know. It doesn't matter because it's going to be 10 yards at least. I could take the touchdown now, but let's milk the clock a little bit and get one later. Because everything's just so easy. Because we're the Packers. Yeah, they're going to come back and score another touchdown, but that's fine because we're going to play this game back and forth, and at the end of the day, we're going to win. And again, you can look at it and say, well, yeah, look at all the years we did that and we didn't win a Super Bowl. We didn't win a Super Bowl until we had defense. I, I hear you. I hear you. But number one, that was a very good offense. Number two, we do have a good defense. It's got issues, but we have a good defense. We already got it. It's not the number one defense, but if, if, if we can get a linebacker and Dean takes a half a step, I don't know why this isn't a top 10 defense in the NFL right now. Anyways, that episode took a weird turn, but I kind of I, I dig it. I hope you all enjoy your Friday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Well, either tomorrow or Sunday I'm planning on taking a day off, but we'll plan on talking to you tomorrow. You folks have a good one. I'll talk to you someday. Bye-bye. <laughs>